The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Heather Long, an economic columnist and member of the Post's editorial board. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, the chair of the National Transportation Safety Board, Jennifer Hammondy. Welcome to Post Live, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Heather. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Let me just say, if you aren't following her on Twitter, you should correct that right away. She's had some great tweets, press conferences, and of course, reports from her team that really go to the heart of what's going on in East Palestine and elsewhere. So let's start with what happened over the weekend. Many of us are watching another train derailment in Ohio. Fortunately, there doesn't seem to be any problems with the air or the water, the soil quality this time. But can you tell us anything about what caused this latest derailment incident? Yeah, well, thank you for the question. And on this one, Uh, We have investigators that arrived on scene this morning, so they are still collecting information. Here's what I will tell you. This was a pretty long train, uh, 212 rail cars, uh, some of which were tank cars transporting hazardous material. There were 28 uh, cars of hazardous material. Uh, As you noted, uh, none of those uh, leaked. There was a leak of non-hazardous material called uh, polythene, about uh, four dump truck loads, uh, essentially, of material that is being cleaned up. Uh, Certainly, that's still a a skin irritant, so workers have to be careful around that area. Uh, But this was a pretty long train. For those uh, who, who may not be aware, 212 rail cars plus uh, uh, locomotives and uh, two distributed power units, uh, we're looking at 2.5 mile long train. That is a long train. And so uh, we'll be looking at that uh, as well as the cause. That's interesting about how long it is. Uh, Does that tend to lead to greater risks when we have longer trains? Yeah, there's, there's certainly a debate on uh, whether longer trains would reduce the number of trains or uh, whether that would just make it more difficult uh, to handle in-train forces, especially during a derailment. Uh, and it could make it certainly more difficult for crew who have to uh, get out and possibly inspect a rail car that has some sort of deficiency uh, and has to walk uh, one or two miles back uh, in a train. So, uh, and, and not even to mention uh, the impact on grade crossings because of the closure of grade crossings for a significant amount of time. But that's something we'll look at as part of this investigation as well as uh, everything else. Uh, we, we don't rule anything out in an investigation, so we'll look pretty broadly. I know it's early hours here to be talking about this, but is there any indication that there was a similar wheel bearing issue like what we saw in East Palestine? Yeah, we don't have it. I don't have any information on that yet. 
so nothing confirming or not confirming that. Uh, so, uh, but that is something of concern in East Palestine that we're really uh, looking at. Uh, we had uh, reported uh, in our preliminary report that the derailment occurred on car 23 due to an overheated roller bearing um, or wheel bearing. And, um, you know, as a result of that, now we're going back and looking at uh, everything from management systems, policies, practices, decision making that uh, set the conditions that allowed that derailment to occur in the first place. So we'll look at that and see if there are any similarities uh, with this one as well. Stepping back, what do you say to Americans who are concerned? Is our freight rail system safe right now? Yeah, it, it, and that is a great question. I can certainly understand the concern. Uh, hazardous materials are transported on all modes of transportation. Uh, our aviation system is the safest, but they're limited in what they can transport for uh, dangerous materials. Uh, pipelines uh, can also be safe uh, as well. They have uh, a, a generally good safety record and, until one uh, big rupture occurs, but then uh, our railroads also have a good safety record. The tra train accidents in general per million trains, train miles are going up, so it's trending upwards accidents. With that said, uh, going on our nation's roads with these materials is not uh, something we want to see. Um, you know, we have 43,000 people that are dying on our nation's roads annually. We have a public health crisis on our roads. Millions of crashes are occurring. So transporting hazmat on our roads would be more dangerous than on our railways. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Still prefer rail over. Uh, trucking, for instance, for a lot of this material. Uh, let me ask another big picture one. Obviously, to a lot of people who are just reading the headlines and aren't nearly as well-versed as you in these topics, they see that there's another Norfolk Southern derailment. And of course, they're wondering, is, this, is there a Norfolk Southern problem here? Is there anything that you're seeing that looks more company-specific? Yeah, the... Um, so... The numbers are trending upward on accidents overall uh, and also uh, for Norfolk Southern. With that said, we're going to look at uh, Norfolk Southern's overall accident history. We're going to look at culture in the company, uh, safety culture. We will look at management practices and policies. We'll really dig in. So the what of an accident investigation is usually immediately available. It's how we got here. That's what takes time to really dig into and get the facts. And then we do some analysis of those facts over a period of time that take us to our safety recommendations. Those safety recommendations, the recommendations to improve safety to prevent such a derailment from reoccurring, those are based on the facts of the investigation and uh, we will look very broadly, everything from worker safety to how inspections are performed, to making sure personnel are adequately trained, to uh, looking at um, decision-making by Norfolk Southern and other railroads on 
uh, how often they place uh, hot bearing detectors, uh, what sort of temperature thresholds uh, they choose and why they choose it, and how does it compare to other railroads. We'll also look at federal oversight. That is a role that's very important for the NTSB and why we are independent of the Department of Transportation. We are not part of the Tra Department of Transportation because we do conduct federal oversight to see if DOT's oversight of the freight railroads is adequate or inadequate, and we may make recommendations on that. Yes. So I encourage everyone to read that preliminary four-page report that came out on the East Palestine situation issued on February 23rd. Uh, as you say, it really lays out the facts of what happened, particularly around this wheel bearing. And for folks like me who are not so technical, that appears to be where the axle and the wheel meet to keep this train going. Um, you know, what comes out, even if you don't have huge technical knowledge, when you read that report, is that Norfolk Southern or any company running freight trains needed to catch this problem faster. There just wasn't a lot of time to react. And they had those temperature sensors, those hot box detectors along the way. But by the time that they figured out that there was an alarm triggered, there wasn't enough time to stop the train. What would it take, can you just give people a little sense, what would it take to detect this faulty wheel bearing much earlier? Yeah, and, uh, again, great question on the, what would it take to detect it earlier? There could be lots of things that we'll look at as part of our recommendations and as part of this investigation, but it could be, putting in more wayside detectors, putting in, uh, putting hot, wear, hot uh, bearing detectors in closer together. It could be changing the temperature threshold so that you have a lower, more conservative temperature threshold. Uh, because when it, when, as you mentioned, in this case, once uh, it hit well over 250 degrees, it was time for the train crew to stop uh, to inspect the axle, uh, to inspect the wheel bearing, and to possibly, in this case, set out the car. But it was too late because uh, as they were slowing and stopping the train, it derailed. The wheel bearing failed. And so there might need to be more conservative temperature thresholds so that started earlier. Also, something the Transportation, Re uh, Transportation Safety Board of Canada has looked at is real-time monitoring of temperatures and data trending from the control center so that they can see uh, the temperatures increase over a period of time in this derailment or what we saw of the uh, this train and its operations is that temperature of that wheel bearing was going up pretty significantly over the course of the three different wayside detectors and but you know the crew doesn't see that so that real-time monitoring and data trending so that there's some communication with the crew to stop the train and take immediate action is definitely needed we'll look at that as part of our investigation as well yeah that's really interesting um as i was reading your report again even someone without technical knowledge there was obviously 10 miles between the first and the second reading, and then 20 miles before you hit that third reading that's over the 250 threshold that ultimately does trigger an alarm for the crew. 
Um, I'm wondering just today, it looks like Norfolk Southern CEO has said they will install more of these detectors along the way. And they are trying to ensure, I believe he said 15 miles between these boxes or less. Um, does that, is that sufficient or would you just call it a good first start? I think it's a good first start. I did, uh, I did see their, their plan. Uh, one thing I will mention is that these decisions about the uh, the placement of these hot bearing detectors and the thresholds really vary railroad by railroad. And so there needs to be uh, good decision making, some uh, policies and practices put in place uh, and uh, possibly definitely be more conservative. I think the advantage here uh, that I want to highlight for your uh, viewers. Uh, number one, uh, just to mention, if, if you know, sometimes going through our preliminary report, it can be very detailed, very um, um, technical, uh, but we also have a YouTube channel uh, at NTSVGov, which you can look at of the um, uh, media availability I did uh, just about two weeks ago, which went through uh, our preliminary report and hopefully a much more understandable way. Also, our process for investigations works really well, and that's what's made us the gold standard for accident investigation across the globe. What we do is we call upon those who can provide the NTSB with factual technical expertise following such an accident. So in this case, we have Department of Transportation, Ohio State uh, Highway Patrol, the Village of East Palestine. We have a number of unions, including the firefighters, and we have Norfolk Southern and a couple rail car manufacturers. Because of that, as we are finding these fa this factual information out, they get that factual information early on and we expect them to take action given that factual information that they see. And so they don't wait until the end of our report to take action. So uh, that's a good part of our process where they do get that information early and can take more immediate action right away. At the same time, then when we're doing our analysis, we break off from that group and do an independent analysis of the facts we identify for the case. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the fact, and it might surprise people to learn this, that they're each train company and freight rail is setting its own procedures here around these bearing detectors. Uh, do you think there should be a federal regulation? You know, uh, that's something we'll have to look at as part of our investigation, and we'll certainly evaluate that in our analysis to determine whether that's appropriate. But let me ask you okay. Uh, one thing along one... Oh, if you don't mind me mentioning, Heather, people shouldn't wait for a regulation which could take five, seven, eight, ten years to take action. We need something immediate. We need the railroads to take immediate action to improve safety so another community doesn't have to experience this again. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you one final one on these um, bearings, wheel bearings, bearing detectors that we're all starting to learn a lot about, and you obviously know a good bit about. 
Um, one of the things that, as I've called around experts, they've brought up to me is that what you and I have been talking about is a temperature sensor. So sensing when this is getting hotter and hotter, almost like taking your child's temperature to see how sick they are. Um, but somebody described it to me, that, you know, by the time this temperature gets to a certain threshold, that bearing is done. It's like learning that you're run out of gas on your car, you know, a block or two before you're tr truly empty. And they've pointed out to me that the, you can learn a lot more and get a much earlier detection if you're looking at the vibration. <laughs> trying to do physics here, but um, and there's different ways to look at a vibration, such as the acoustics of, of what the noise is, or even having a detector right on the bearing. Obviously, different things cost different uh, ways, but do you think that the technology is out there and should be used to move away from temperature or supplement temperature with, with some of these vibration detectors? Yeah, so the acoustic uh, detection is certainly something that has been used. There is technology out there. Uh, I, we like redundancy at the NTSB, so there's more than one way to ensure safety. Um, we will look at uh, all those uh, technologies out there and make a recommendation of what, you know, what we think or the performance we think that should be met by the railroads. Uh, towards the end of the investigation, but it's too early to say right now. Got it. Uh, I want to ask you about brakes. You tweeted about brakes. There's been a lot of discussion about brakes, and in particular, whether this ECP, electronically controlled pneumatic brakes, that's a mouthful. If the train had those, would it have helped at all? So ECP brakes, unlike if, if any of your listeners know about positive train control, positive train control is a technology that prevents a certain types of derailments. Electronically controlled pneumatic brakes don't prevent a derailment. It could lessen damage. So let me explain that. So in this one, car 23 still would have derailed because the wheel bearing failed. So car 23 still would have derailed, still would have been a derailment, still would have been a fire. And we, uh, the responders and uh, Norfolk Southern and the state, state and locals would have had to still make a decision on whether to vent and burn the five vinyl chloride tank cars. Uh, there could have been a possibility of less damage, meaning a few cars could have remained on the track later in the train. Okay. Uh, but uh, as for most of the damage, that still would have occurred with, whether we had ECP brakes on this train or not. Got so uh, F Federal Railroad Administration is going to do some modeling to see but it, it really would not have made a significant difference in this derailment. And in fact, everything we saw uh, uh, from the damage from the derailment, the fire and the vent and burn, that all would have occurred still. Thank you. Another one that comes up a lot, and I'm sure you get this as well, uh, would more crew have made a difference? I believe there was an engineer, a conductor, and a trainee, so already three people on the East Palestine train. Uh, many of us have seen the headlines. I ran the math myself. We're down in, in the rail industry as a whole, 60,000 work fewer workers since 2015. Now, not all of those are freight workers, but you get the idea. There's a lot fewer people working on rail, especially freight rail. Uh, does that, does the number of people make any difference here? 
Well, for this one, uh, as you said, we had two crew members and a trainee. They all stay as with as with every train in the cab of the head locomotive. Uh, so I do not see where that would have made a difference in this particular train in this derailment. Uh, one thing we are going to look at is whether uh, any uh, changes in staffing led to uh, any differences in how these cars are maintained or how they're inspected. That is something we will look at as part of this investigation. And if we find something uh, that will also be contained in our final report. Another one that's come up that I'm curious to get your take on is the Ask Rail app. So this is an app that's supposed to notify emergency responders and be a really clear channel of communication. Did that function properly in East Palestine? Uh, can you say anything about whether that was used appropriately here? Yeah, uh, so the fire chief who, upon arrival at the command center following the derailment, had uh, electronic access to the train consist, which is the list of cars and the materials uh, or liquids that the train is carrying. But none of the responders had the Ask Rail app. Uh, and that is, you could look up a uh, UN number for a particular car and get the whole consist of the train. Uh, it's an app that the railroads developed uh, for helping emergency responders to get information following an accident. So that is something we're going to look at as part of this investigation to see why they didn't have that. It's possible they didn't know it existed, what sort of communication occurred to make them aware between the railroads operating through that community and those local responders. One thing I'll mention, Heather, is we have had recommendations out there for quite some time to make sure that emergency responders get the information they need to protect their communities. There was a terrible, um, a train accident in Paulsboro, New Jersey in 2012 that we investigated that involved uh, one, one vinyl chloride, there, there were several vinyl chloride tank cars, but one of which breached and 20,000 gallons of vinyl chloride ended up in a creek and firefighters were not prepared at the time to deal with the commodities being transported through their community because they didn't know what those were. As somebody who's been uh, certified at the operations level uh, in hazmat training uh, with the firefighters, uh, the firefighters need to know what's going through their communities at all times so that they can adequately prepare, so they can develop emergency uh, response plans or preparedness plans with railroads and others, so that they purchase adequate gear, so they have the training they need to protect themselves and the public. That is absolutely necessary, and we feel very strongly about that, so it's something we'll look at as part of this investigation as well. Good, yes. As you pointed out, uh, as a nation, we want to see some action here. We want to see improvements. I, I think everybody agrees on that. Um, you can see a lot of action right in Washington, D.C., where I'm sitting. Uh, there's obviously now a bipartisan bill that's been introduced in the Senate, this Railway Safety Act of 2023. It will do a number of things. Obviously, it's in the early stages of a draft, but 
it will raise the fines in for trains that have derailed for reasons that could have been preventable, but it will also start to try to put some ground rules, it seems like, around carrying hazardous materials and around these detectors, these bearing detectors we've spent a lot of time talking about. Uh, ha have you read this bill? Have you been involved? Do you support it? Well, uh, I've, I've not invo been involved in the drafting or anything of that uh, legislation. What I will tell you is often Congress asks the NTSB for technical assistance uh, through our government affairs department, who then coordinates with our rail office to provide comments. Um, the Office of Management and Budget also may ask uh, for those type of comments. So they're currently evaluating the legislation. And what they'll do is they'll compare the legislation with recommendations that the NTSB has issued in the past on rail safety. Rail worker safety is on the NTSB's most wanted list of transportation safety improvements. And we have over 250 recommendations that we've issued on rail safety generally that have not been acted upon yet. And so those recommendations could be addressed right away. With that said, um, I firmly believe it should not take an act of Congress to improve rail safety, uh, especially with something so tragic as this. Uh, we need some action now, which is why we have that system I mentioned as part of our investigative process. Uh, but also, I do want to mention a lot of, and I, I appreciate this because I worked on Capitol Hill for nearly 15 years. I appreciate the need to move quickly on, on legislation. The one thing I want to make sure is that at, at the conclusion of our process, that our recommendations are not ignored. That cannot happen. It cannot be, okay, we move legislation, so we're past it, and now we're going to uh, ignore the safety recommendations of the NTSB that would prevent this from reoccurring and save lives in the future. No, we need that action on our safety recommendations. So I expect that when those recommendations are, are issued, but also this community deserves that. Yeah. Any sense of when the investigation might wrap up and you might make those final recommendations? Are we looking at a year from now or can you give anybody a guideline? I'm hoping within a year, we typically say 12 to 18 months, but here's what I will say. At no time do we uh, are we prohibited, we are not prohibited from issuing urgent safety recommendations. In fact, we do, and we are considering in this case, issuing urgent safety recommendations. And what that means is we don't wait till the end. We, If we see something urgent, we will issue a re safety recommendation right away. Uh, so that action can be taken, not just by Norfolk Southern, but the entire railroad industry, or maybe it's tank cars, or maybe it's training. We'll see what that is. Uh, but uh, that's something we're looking at. We're also looking at holding, actually, we are going to hold an investigative hearing in East Palestine. And has uh, a date been set for that yet? Well, we this weekend, we have a few people going to East Palestine to look for a venue that could accommodate that. Uh, I think one, one possibility is the high school where other town halls have occurred. We wanna make sure that uh, locals can come to our investigative hearing. We do it at a time yeah. that's convenient for them. 
a lot of them work. Let me just jump in. I think we're almost out of time. And I just want to ask you one more. Anyone who's listened to you and your press conference can tell that you got pretty emotional when you said this was 100% preventable in East Palestine. And you said it again later in your press conference that this could have been prevented. And I'm wondering if you could just say a little bit more what you mean about that. Do you honestly think we could get to zero accidents or zero derailments? Absolutely. We have driven down the number of derailments over the last several decades, and we can see more improvement. We can always improve rail safety, really safety in any mode of transportation. And the accidents that we investigate, they are always preventable. And uh, we know that action can be taken so these types of occurrences do not happen again and more communities have to face such a tragedy. Thank you. I'm sorry that we're out of time. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Chair Hamani, for all you're doing. Thank you so much, Heather. Really appreciate your work. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.